back to Chew the Bible with your good friend A.A. Ron. It is 12.04 in the afternoon. Well, 12.05. And lovely April 12th, 2023. Why in the world does my phone think I'm in Cupertino? What is the weather in KC? That's all I need. What's the temperature outside? Let's look real fast. I just typed in Kansas City. I forgot to put Kansas City weather. Here we go. 74 degrees with a high of 81 on this lovely Wednesday. All right, I'm going to attempt to not uh, go for an hour this time. We're in John chapter 13, reading out of the Amplified Version again. Looks like there's 38 verses. Um, I brought up the soap method on the last recording, where you read the scripture, then you make an observation and then you apply, you think of ways to apply that scripture to your life and then pray through it. So I technically already do those first three kind of all simultaneously. I prefer to, you know, make observations as I read. And then, yeah, talk about ways to apply or ways that I've applied that particular scripture, how it has applied to my life. In the past, the present, or in going forward, future. Uh, and then, yeah, I love to pray through scripture, especially when we when we were in the Psalms and the Proverbs. Do, 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 do. I highly encourage everyone to pray through scripture. Yeah, use the particular scripture and put your name in there or put the name of the person you're praying for, especially when they're sick. And yeah keep quoting that scripture over and over again even while that thorn in your flesh may still be there and just know God's grace is sufficient in the midst of whatever you're going through I know that's one of the hardest challenges at least for me as a Christian speaking for myself is when you deal with certain things like mental health challenges or uh yeah i'll deal with a lot of uh, anxiety and paranoia and um deal with a lot of uh shame over my past sins and uh yeah some other things in my life i don't really share too much of but uh yeah just yeah Oof, loneliness, divorce, not really trusting a whole lot of folks from broken relationships in and out of the church. Uh, and it's like sometimes you're like, Lord, can you just make this all like snap your finger and just snap my finger and just say this prayer and then everything just goes away? Can I just be normal again or can my life can I have can I have um I know the joy of the Lord is my strength. See now, see now I'm approaching this. I'll end up with an hour long recording. Um, but hey, as I just told my brother last night, selfishly, this podcast is actually a lot more for myself 
than for the people listening. Now, if people listen to it and they get something out of it, great. But this is actually very therapeutic for me, just getting out here and talking and talking about the word of God, talking through it. So where was I going with that? Yes, sometimes you just wish things would just go away. I can't really snap. If you hear that, it's my weak little snap. It's like, but it's these challenges in life that draw us closer and closer and closer to the Lord. A marriage doesn't grow stronger. The things in in your relationship, in your marriage, will either draw you closer or draw you further apart. And ultimately, what ultimately going to the Lord individually and as a couple is what will keep you together. It will sustain you through no matter what comes your way. Now, yeah, the longer you go, not drawing close to the Lord and all, as a individually and as a couple, that's how you end up divorced. That's the easiest way I can put it. But there's something about yeah being battle tested that strengthens that relationship, just like a team, like a sports team. The more you you go through adversity and you, you have those close, like last night the Lakers had a close win. They went through adversity. What was that guy? Uh, What's the guy? The Dennis Schroeder, Schroeder, however you want to say his name, hit that three pointer to win the game. And then immediately, Anthony Davis fouled the guy on the other team, and the guy had three free throws and sent the game into overtime. I'm sure a lot of the Lakers could have got down on themselves, and they could have started pointing fingers at each other. They could have started punching each other, punching walls, getting angry. But no, they held it together and like, you know, we got this. We got LeBron James, arguably one of the greatest players of all time. Sorry, Jordan and Kobe are still above him, in my opinion, but that's a discussion for another day. This is Chew the Bible. Anyway, uh, <laughs> but yeah, they could have all turned in on each other. But there's something about that adversity that drew them closer. And the more you experience, they even say, I've heard that said before, when you go on like a first date or within your first couple dates, you should do something adventurous or kind of risky. Um because that or go to like in a theme park or like have almost like a near death experience, like get on a roller coaster together. There's something about that fear and um, going through something hard or challenging. Like go skydiving or something. I don't know. I'm cool on the skydiving. Uh, I don't know. Just do something adventurous. Something about that zip lining or something. I don't know. Uh, something about that draws you closer to that person when you've gone through something, yeah, terrifying. Uh, I, I wouldn't recommend like a haunted house or anything. I'm cool on those. I'm cool on that stuff. But yeah, there you go. Rent a car, go on a racetrack and on a racetrack, not on side streets and go racing or something like that. Go, yeah, go go-karting. There you go. Something to get that what is that called? Adrenaline going. Yeah, get your adrenaline going. I was thinking of another word, but all right, the Lord's Supper. Ooh, eight minutes in. 
Now, before the Passover feast, Jesus knew that his hour had come and it was time for him to leave this world and return to the Father. Having greatly loved his own who were in the world, he loved them and continuously loves them with his perfect love to the end eternally. So much I can say about that. Once again, read on the Amplified Version. Yes, Jesus' love is perfect. And perfect love casteth out all fear. Yes, Lord. Thank you for your perfect love. It was during supper when the devil had already put the thought of betraying Jesus into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son. That Jesus, knowing that the Father had put everything into his hands and that he had come from God and was now returning to God, got up got up from supper, took off his outer robe, and taking his servant's towel, he tied it around his waist. Alright. Couple things real fast. Alright, there's here we go with another Simon. Cause you have Simon Peter. Simon whose name was changed to Peter. And then you also have Simon, the African, who carried Jesus's cross. When he couldn't carry it, you know, it reached a point where he dropped the cross and needed help carrying it up to the hill to be crucified. Now, who is this Simon? I have to do some digging and research to make sure that I guess this is like a different Simon. This is one of the hard parts about reading the Bible sometimes. You have multiple Marys, you got multiple Simons. Yeah, there's a lot of repeated names, a lot of Johns. Joseph's. Anyway, all right. So, and then also you notice, I was just talking to my brother today how the primary way the devil works is through thoughts. He's a liar. That's how he gets us through lies. Because he can't technically, he's limited in what he can do, I'll say that. Um, and the primary, he works here, the devil comes to kill. Yeah, John 10, 10, the devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But of course, Jesus came that we have life and have it more abundantly. He come, he, the primary way he gets us is through lies. He put it in Judas's heart. So, yeah, that's why it's so important to guard our hearts. What we listen to, what we watch, our eyes and our ears are the gates to our soul. All right, Jesus watches... Now, once again, I always want to clarify because there's a scripture that talks about how us teachers of the Bible will be judged more harshly and how not everybody should be a teacher. I want to clarify I am not a teacher. I am simply a Christian who is reading the Bible and sharing my own opinions and thoughts and reflecting on it. I encourage all of you to go read the word for yourself. Go read commentaries of pastors that you trust. Go to church. Wrestle. Yeah. Talk to your pastors. Talk to people that you know that you trust. Counselors and um, mentors. Accountability partners. Yeah. Wrestle with this. Yeah. Talk to Jesus about this word. Read other translations. Yes. Don't take my word for Yeah. What I'm saying. Yeah. Like. Uh, my encouragement, the main reason I'm even doing this is to encourage you to read the Bible more and uh, encourage it helps me read the Bible more by doing this podcast. So all right, Jesus washes. It makes it fun. Jesus washes the disciples feet. 
Now, isn't it crazy that we just read in John 12 that Mary Magdalene, I believe it was Mary Magdalene, was uh, washing Jesus's feet earlier. And now we have Jesus getting ready to wash the disciples' feet. Amazing. All right. There's so much more I could say about that, or we can go deeper into that. Just the connections and connect, yeah, the dots, but let's just keep going. Verse five, then he poured water into the basin and began washing the disciples' feet and wiping them with the towel, which was tied around his waist. When he came to Simon Peter, he said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied to him, you do not realize now what I am doing, but you will fully understand it later. Peter said to him, you will never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. We can have nothing to do with each other. Interesting. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, in that case, wash not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, anyone who has bathed needs only to wash his feet and is completely clean. And you, my disciples, are clean, but not all of you. Mm. For he knew who was going to betray him. For that reason, he said, not all of you are clean. So when he had washed their feet and put on his outer robe and reclined at the table again, he said to them, do you understand what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right in doing so, for that is who I am. So if I, the Lord and the teacher, washed your feet, you ought to wash one another's feet as well. For I gave you this as an example that you should that you should do in turn as I did to you. I assure you and most solemnly say to you, I, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is one who is sent greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed, happy and favored by God. If you put them into practice and faithfully do them, I am not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but this has happened in order that the scripture may be fulfilled. He who eats my bread has raised up his heel against me as my enemy. From now on, see, this is where it gets kind of tricky, a little hairy here, because it brings into question this whole concept of predestination. This says, where does it say? I am not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen. Anyway, all right, let's keep going. This happened in order that the scripture may be fulfilled. He who eats my bread has raised up his heel against me as my enemy. From now on, I am telling you what will happen before it occurs, so that when it does take place, you may believe that I am he, who I say I am, the Christ, the anointed, the Messiah. I assure you and most solemnly say to you, the only one who receives... Surely I say to you, and most solemnly say, say, say to you, means this is very important. The fact that he's kind of repeating himself there. I assure you, and most solemnly say to you, like, believe me, 100. <laughs> Word is bond. There we go. The one who receives and welcomes whomever I send receives me. And the one who receives me receives him who sent me in that same way. All right, here we go. Jesus predicts his betrayal. That's probably so much more I could say there. But, hey, I found this really cool website the other day where it was like line by line commentary on the Bible. Um, it was pretty cool. For those of y'all that really want to go deep and get some 
greater understanding on these scriptures and what they're actually saying here. All right, Jesus predict, predicts his betrayal. Let me see if I can find that real quick. Do I have it here? Let's see here. I think I'll put it under Chew the Bible Tools. Yeah, it's called versebyversecommentary.com. Now, once again, you always want to look at the source of that and make sure they are uh, not saying some crazy stuff. Yeah, fact check it with some other sources. Anyway, I thought that was cool, though, because I had a question about a particular scripture. I can't even remember what it was. All right, Jesus predicts his predicts his betrayal. After Jesus had said these things, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, see, even Jesus had got troubled in spirit. I assure you, I most solemnly say to you, one of you will betray me and hand me over. He did that again. Or he repeats himself, I assure you, I most solemnly say it to you, one of you will betray me and hand me over. The disciples began looking at one another, puzzled and disturbed as to whom he could mean. One of his disciples, whom Jesus loved, esteemed, <laughs> was leaning against Jesus' chest. There goes, yeah, the one whom Jesus loved. So Simon, yeah, John, I believe it was, yeah. The one who Jesus loved. I believe that was John, yeah. Anyway, I'll close this. <clears throat> Leaning against Jesus' chest, so Simon Peter motioned to him, John, and quietly asked him to ask Jesus of whom he was speaking. Then leaning back against Jesus' chest, he, he, John, asked him privately, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, it is the one to whom I am going to give this piece of bread after I have dipped it. So when he had dipped the piece of bread into the dish, he gave it to Judas, son of Simon Iscariot. After, oh, I guess that makes sense. Simon Iscariot is son of Judas. I mean, Judas Iscariot is son of Simon Iscariot, which is different than the Simon who carried Jesus' cross. And of course, different than Simon Peter. I still don't, I need to read more about that. A name is Cariot. Anyway, all right. Verse 27. After Judas had taken the piece of bread, Satan entered him. See, now this is some creepy stuff. I started talking about Satan entering people. All right. Then Jesus said to him, what you are going to do, do quickly without delay. But no one reclining at the table knew why he said this to him. Some thought that since Judas, as the treasurer of the group, had the money box, Jesus was telling him, buy what we need for the feast or that he was to give something to the poor. After taking the piece of bread, he went out. They're just so confused. I don't know what's going on. <clears throat> they don't realize uh, Judas needs an exorcism. <laughs> Some deliverance ministry. After taking the piece of bread, he went out immediately and it was night. So when Judas had left, Jesus said, now is the time for the son of man to be glorified and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify, glorify him, the son and himself and will glorify him at once. Little children, I am with you only a little longer. <clears throat> it's interesting how when Jesus says little children to these grown men. You will look for me and 
You will look for me, and as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I'm going, you are not able to come. I am giving you a new commandment that you love one another, just as I have loved you. So you two are to love one another. By this, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you have love and unselfish concern for one another. Hmm. I just read that to my kids. First thing is first John four twenty. Uh about it's kinda easy to remember because of the four twenty. Four twenty has become so popular. <laughs> so yeah. But uh you spin it for positive. If you ever yeah. Think of the yeah. Spin it to a Christian four twenty. First John four twenty. Basically, it says if you say you love God but hate your brother, then you're a liar. Because how can you love God who you have not seen if you don't love your brother who you have seen? Anyway, <clears throat> here we go. This is a mark of a Christian, and it requires the Holy Spirit. This is what is missing from the world right now, I personally feel like, because that slogan that says love is love, you know, just love is love and love everyone and all that yeah like just be a good person this is what's missing it's like i can't just love everybody <clears throat> especially the agape type love the selfless love the sacrificial love unselfish love right putting people before myself even though there's a lot of non-christians out here who are better at being a christian than me right they yeah they do some amazing things they work at some great Nonprofits, they do some great things in the community. And anyway, yeah, but at some point that runs out. Because you're going to run across some people. It's easy to love people that are like you or that fit a certain mold who can reciprocate that love or also who, yeah, who look a certain way, who talk a certain way, who act a certain way. But eventually you're going to run into some people that are hard to love, right? And yeah, we as humans tend to surround ourselves, especially in the church, with other people who talk like us, act like us, who have similar hobbies and interests, right? Especially people who look like us, same skin color. As Martin Luther King said, Sunday service is one of the most segregated, Sunday is one of the most segregated, segregated days in the entire United States, right? So anyway, yes. There's a cap on human love. But with Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit living through us, there is no cap. He empowers us to love people. It says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love and unselfish concern for one another. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you will be able to follow later. Hmm. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I follow? Why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? I assure you and most solemnly say to you before a rooster crows, you would deny and completely disown me three times. Well, that's powerful. So much there, because this is the very disciple Jesus. He, I mean, not Jesus, Peter even though he denies Jesus three times later on, 
I believe he's the same disciple that ends up being crucified. And he when he gets crucified, he requests to be crucified upside down because he doesn't feel worthy to be crucified in the same manner that Jesus was crucified. So he does lay down his life for Jesus. And um, yeah, I pray to God I never have to get nailed to a cross or uh, have my head cut off or any of the other martyr type deaths, right? I talked about that yesterday, right? <clears throat> but being a Christian will cost you something. It's going to cost you. It could cost it's going to cost you everything. And be willing to give it all up, anything, your possessions, your reputation, a job. I'm not saying you got to go quit your job that makes you more spiritual, but if you do feel like the Lord is calling you to leave your job, that's why it's so much easier to follow Jesus right now as a teenager. For those teenagers out there or young college students who are single. Um, because, yeah, you can, you're not, you're more free and free from the t entanglements of this world, the systems of this world. Because um, if you don't have a wife, you are not obligated to her emotions and taking care of her and being that provider for her, right? Um, all the fears that come with like, yeah, if you feel like God has called you to quit your job and do full-time ministry out there evangelizing or starting a church or being more involved in your church or whatever you feel like the Lord has called you to do, street ministry, whatever it is, yes. You can live on in a roach-infested apartment <laughs> Um, on a shoestring budget, making like, yeah, $500 a, a week or something like that, eating ramen noodles, right? Uh, when you're married, there's not a whole lot of women that will sign up for that. Uh, when you have, yeah, I, currently I have child support. I pay $1,200 a month. There's a whole lot more things I could be doing in the kingdom of God if I didn't have that $1,200 of child support. Not saying anything bad about it. I mean, it's all I'm saying is it's a, it's a yeah. I, I am. I'm thankful that I'm able to make money to be able to pay that money toward taking care of my kids, right? And I look forward to the day when I can do even more, right? There's so much more I could say about that topic, but here we go. Yes, ultimately, what I'm saying is, following Jesus Christ is going to cost you everything. And you have to be willing to lay down your life, lay down everything for him. And even as I say that, I'm going to be tested in what I just said, right? And it's not easy. It is not easy. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, through Jesus Christ, he empowers us like, to do it. Peter... There was a point when Peter had, like, I relate to Peter so much. Like, Jesus, yes, I'll follow you. I'll lay my life down for you. Yeah. And, like, Jesus was like, eh, yeah, like, Peter, Peter, you have no clue what you're about to do, homeboy. You're going to deny me. Gonna, like, pretty soon you're going to act like you never even knew me. Jesus, yeah. Same way he looks at me sometimes. Yeah, you're like, eh, you have no clue what you're about to go through um, and with some of the things you're about to do. Mr. Fire, fire, fireman, fireball, wild man, wild man for Jesus. 
Mr. Radical for Christ, you have no clue what you're about to do. And then when I, you have also no clue what I'm about to do through you. Because later on, Peter was able to do some amazing things. And he's considered one of the heroes of the faith. Even after one of his greatest failures, Jesus still worked through him. So some of you out there, I've heard stories of great pastors committing some grave sins, doing some, you know, some, some wild stuff, committing sexual sins and walking away from the Lord and even being so ashamed about it that they committed suicide or had all these like suicidal thoughts, right? Or, yeah, and so if you're in that position right now, you may be thinking about, I've been there. Trust me, I've been after my divorce, I've been there, been there, been there. I, was, I basically was living a life to where that I didn't care what happened to me. Uh, yeah, I I had even Googled how to commit suicide in like, in like the least painful way, right? And um, I, yeah, I got some wild stories I can share, some deeper stories I can go more in depth about. Eventually I'll write more about. But um, just know this. Don't give up. Keep my brother has a tattoo on his hand that says, Keep going. Keep going. Jesus is not through with you. It's not over till it's over. Don't throw in the towel yet. Your greatest setback is the setup for your greatest testimony. You can't have a testimony without a test, without even yeah, without failing some of those tests. And knowing that, yeah, I love what yeah, my old pastor John would always say. He says, Jesus passed the test that we couldn't. He got an A for us, an A plus, so that we could have an A plus. So anyway, Heavenly Father, thank you for this word. Thank you for this time in your word. I pray for those right now out there that might be dealing with suicidal thoughts, those particular pastors or Christians in the faith who have feel like they can't, they made some of the biggest mistakes, had babies out of wedlock, had affairs, had walked away from you, backslidden, whatever it may be, yeah, um, Fill in the blank sin, done drugs, done, I don't know, fill in the blank. They've done some wild stuff. Might be in prison right now, jail, whatever. Financial blunders, fraud schemes, all whatever. Fill in the blank. Lord, there's nothing that your blood can't cover. No sin that your blood can't cover. No sin that your blood can't redeem. It's crazy, Lord, that your blood makes us white as snow. <sighs> what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. <sighs> oh, precious is the fall. That makes me white as snow. 
No other fountain I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I think that's the last word. Fountain. I always get the words wrong. I think. All right. Yes, Lord. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for your word. I pray that we would have faith over fear. Yes, in our faith, the object of our faith is you, Jesus. Not faith in ourself, not faith in our bank accounts, not faith in our abilities to live righteously, not our faith, yes, in anything in this world, faith in you, Jesus. So I just pray, I thank you, I thank you, I thank you for your goodness, your mercy, your grace. Once again, this is the day that you have made. We can and we will rejoice and be glad in it. In Jesus' mighty, precious name I pray. Amen. All right, y'all. Have an amazing day. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned or missed the mark or veered off the path and fallen short of the glory of God or God's perfect standard. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of the cost of that sin is death or eternal separation from God. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Romans 5a says, but God demonstrated his love toward us or showed his love toward us in that while we were still yet sinners, Jesus Christ died for us. Romans 10 verse 9 through 10 says that if we will confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, we will not might be, not maybe, we will be saved. For with our hearts we believe we are now in right standing with God, and with our mouths we confess that we are now saved. Lastly, Romans 10 verse 13 says that whosoever, anybody or everybody, who calls upon the name of the Lord, they will be saved. So if you've never asked Jesus into your heart, or you've walked away from him, and you would like to rededicate your life to him, you can just simply say, Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I know my sin deserves to be punished. I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God who died for me and rose from the grave. I want to turn from my sin and trust Jesus Christ alone as my Savior. Thank you for the forgiveness and everlasting life I can now have through faith in Jesus. In Jesus' mighty precious name I pray. Amen. Lord Jesus, give me water. I know Jesus gave me water. Jesus gave me water. And it was not from the well. Singing Jesus gave me water. I know Jesus gave me water.